Good vibes and acts of kindness, everybody. Welcome to the ESPN Esports League of Legends program we like to call Rift Rewind. Thank you very much for watching us on ESPN Esports on Twitch, the ESPN app on Twitter or YouTube, or maybe you're listening to us in podcast form wherever you pick up your audio. We appreciate you consuming our content. We have a lot to get to, but there is a theme to tonight's program, and that theme is this. Just what the is going on in the LEC and the LCS. We're going to get there. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to unpack with Emily, Jacob, Tyler, and myself. Little bit of a reminder, if you're a trivia fan, join us after this show concludes. Immediately afterwards, we have our League of Legends trivia night. You can join in in the Twitch extension. No matter where you're watching or listening to us, come to Twitch. After this show, Rift Rewind is over. We play some trivia. It's a ton of fun. As we like to start the show, however, here on Rift Rewind, what we loved and what we hated this week in League of Legends. It is Emily's turn this week. Emily, what did you love this week in League of Legends Competitive? So my love and hate go hand in hand. So I'll start with what I loved. And it was C9's draft against Team Liquid. I know a lot of people uh, do not appreciate when we abuse support items to get more gold, uh, especially in the bottom lane. It used to be an issue with people picking support items in other lanes. Now it's more specifically you try to do a duo lane like this where you're both rushing and you get to fulfill your support items before you have individual penalties. That is the idea behind the Lux Sona lane. I absolutely loved this composition, actually. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was, uh, if not innovative, at least taking uh, an available exploit and testing it out and seeing what you could do. Um, I also think that it was kind of a smart idea to bring it out against TL because um, I feel like they're a strong enough team that they would be able to punish if C9 made a mistake and C9 made a lot of mistakes in execution. Well, I'll get to that later. Um, but just generally, I really liked the comp. I like to see them experimenting with different things. And I don't think the reason why they lost was the fact that they locked in this composition. So Emily had a chance to speak with Niski, the mid laner for C9. Speaking of composition, she asked him that question. And here is what the Turkish midfielder, midfielder, mid laner had to say. <laughs> Uh, lost to TL, but with a very interesting composition. So I want to start there. How much did you guys practice this going into this match? Mm, I think we've had probably three to four games with it. And every game was kind of easy in our favor. Um, but also that's kind of every scrim we play. So it's like, was it actually really good? Or was it like not that good, but we still won because we're just the better team in scrims? But I felt like it was fine. Um, I think we played four times, so we're not like as comfy as it as like every other comp we played like thousands of times. So yeah, I think it's uh, something new we were trying. So a lot of the like post game dis discussion has been around like whether you would try this out against uh, a team like TL, who's also vying for first place, or IMT, who's obviously like more towards the the mid bottom of the standings. Um, was it because you just like you really wanted to test this out against uh, a better team to see how it could be exploited? Um, not really. I think we just thought that it'd give us kind of the edge on like how we could actually like surprise the L and how we would play the game because usually they don't like punish us in the early game. And with Sonalux, that's kind of what teams try to do, right? They try to punish <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, like even today, I feel like 
we played really well early, like they made lots of mistakes. We capitalized on it, but then we made some really dumb plays in the mid game, which led them to kind of come back and then just go away with the game. Go away with the game. So well, maybe Niski's a midfielder too. Who plays some soccer. Who knows? That full interview is available <laughs> on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/ESPN Esports. We also have interviews there uh, with Huhi of Gold, uh, Golden Guardians as well as Wonder from G2. We'll get to that a little bit later. Now let's turn the tables a full 180, Emily. What did you hate? this week in competitive league of legends so i i mean hate's a strong word but i strongly disliked the way that c9 ended up playing out this composition um especially against what tl walked in i know that a lot of people were uh talking about this on twitter um like a lot of analysts were talking about this on twitter so i won't like re repeat too much but basically uh c9 could have kind of just stacked mr and and left team liquid completely in the dust um, they also uh, mis-executed more than a few times in terms of timing. Like, this is a very ultimate-based composition because you have Shen, Hecarim, Set, and then the Sona Lux that we talked about. So you're basically looking for, like, really big 5v5 fights where you're you're basically supporting Blabber to go in and just destroy people. Um, and I know everyone's going to point out the insane uh, Blitz Crank Hook like core JJ basically like carried his team to victory. Um, but even then you can see C9's like missteps there where Blabber decides to go in anyway. And I think he thinks that Licorice is going to support him with the ultimate, but Licorice doesn't come in. Um, and it just seemed like they were not on the same page enough to be able to execute this composition as well as it, it could have been to win. Um, which is why that like, that's why we play the game, uh, you know? So, um, but I think, I really love this draft. I really think that uh, C9 could have done a lot better in terms of execution. Um, but to wrap everything up, I still appreciate that they tested it out and tried it. Um, and I don't disagree with that decision whatsoever. I think that was actually really great to see from them because you have to try to keep yourself sharp and ahead uh, when when you are like C9 and you are like by default at the top of the standings. So I did really like this look from them. Execution was not great. Yeah, they bullied the entire top side of the map. And, like, the biggest question uh, in, in bot lane was the only thing that didn't get beat up so hard on, and which obviously allowed Tactical and, and Core JJ some room. What I was, like, asking myself when I saw them draft this is, like, who did they scrim this against, right? Because, like, this feels like something that, like, someone would definitely leak. And I'm wondering if it did. Because, like, Blitzcrank is actually really smart to play against a comp like that. And, and I was kind of surprised... Like, I know Core can kind of play a little bit of everything, but I was I was a little surprised by the Blitzcrank pick. It definitely felt like something that they, like, anticipated. I don't know if that was, like, mid-draft. Yeah, mid They're like, oh, yeah, let's go Blitz. Or if, if they, like, knew something was coming. I'm, I'm really curious, like, who C9 actually ended up scrimmaging with uh, where they pulled a comp like this out in scrims earlier last week. I don't know, but if I was picking into the C9 comp, I would not have picked such a magic damn it like like they they didn't itemize properly against it but tl's composition in my from my perspective and uh from i think most people's perspective is that it's just it's really easy to itemize against i don't disagree with the let's crank pick but uh just generally like ezreal syndra mortizer yeah. like those are they're all really magic heavy uh champions that you can kind of just easily build mr and and steamroll especially if the if C9's comp gets going, which it did. So I think uh, sure. it came down to team fighting. 
To be fair, though, like Shin is awful to build MR on of of all the the champions in in this game, right? Like if you're he didn't have to build Shin, the Frozen Heart. He didn't have to true. build the Frozen Heart. That that was that, that was pointless, <laughs> but but I will say like the I the love tank, Licorice, but he did the, not have to build the Frozen Heart. The tank champs on on C9 though they don't itemize itemize particularly well with MR. Uh, Hecarim does obviously. The Spirit Vest is just quite good on him, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, Shin Shin feels terrible to to build MR against. So, so we're or gonna... build MR on. We're going to talk about the LCS uh, a lot more later on in the show, but let's move on to the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today. Tyler, I'm going to start with you on this one. The theme of the show, as I mentioned at the top of the program, is what the is going on in our Western leagues, in the LEC and the LCS. What is going on in the LEC right now? Why are we in this giant bowl of soup situation with all of these teams performing well one week, underperforming another week. We're getting surprise results. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. Tyler, why are we in this predicament? I mean, I think it would be foolish and kind of silly not to mention that online play, as we will dive into, is a big reason why LEC might not so much be the LCS's main problem. But essentially, for specifically the LEC, the 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 game levels have gone down. The level of play, I would say, has, has dropped quite considerably. And also, with you know G two and Fnatic, kind of the the mom and dad of the LEC, right? When the mom and dad are home, like there's there's order in the house. You always have those two to look upon and be like, everything else in the LEC can go go down to a tr you know a, a dumpster fire, but you can always look up to mom and dad and be like, we're gonna be okay in the end. Like when it goes to Worlds, we'll always have G two and Fnatic. This this split, mom and dad are gone. They're on a they're on a bender somewhere in Las Vegas. Like they're nowhere to be seen, Arda. They are gone, and that means the kids are ruling the roofs. Which means you have Rogue and Mad Lions, and you look at these teams, and they are not the teams that and they play such a sporadic style. And like one week Rogue looks great, the next week they look inconsistent and they throw games. Mad Lions, this team that a lot of people are saying, oh, they can be one of the best European teams of all time are still showing growing pains because they are a young team. They are a very, very young team that's not going to be G2 because they don't have the experience and the necessary, you know, international, you know, reps that they do. They have, they, they, they're still so young, except Humanoid, who has had those world's reps last year playing on the big stage in Madrid. But the rest of the players are still so young. So right now in the LEC, it's a thing of the two pillars, uh, the two pillars of the league, Fnatic and G2, look mortal. They look out of source, which leads us in this, this predicament where mm -hmm. it's kind of a mess. And I do want to say that like, online play probably has a lot to do with it. I do think that has, you know, LEC was rolling, 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 and now it kind of feels like they've taken a step back. And I think that's also a big thing, right, where the LEC was being talked about as the best region in the world. Like, LE, LCS has been fourth. It's going to stay fourth. It's it's it, you know if they make it get a team to core finals it'd be very impressive. Where the Europe was like, we can do this. We made two world finals. We won MSI. We are right up there of China. And then this split, it just looks like they're kind of lost. With mom and dad gone, LEC isn't as secure as it once was. So I would say online play is a big thing, and also the falterings of Fnatic and G2 has also made it a much more chaotic split for Europe. So, Emily, specifically as it pertains to online play, that's a very good mm -hmm. point. But, like, let's let's dive into that. Let's detail exactly 
what you have noticed since play went online that concerns you about LEC play? What, what, what have you been noticing? I mean, I think that big thing for me with teams in the LEC, and this isn't like picking on any one team, to be honest, it's like across the board, um, is that they're making a lot of small mistakes uh, on the map that I didn't see some of these teams, especially the teams towards the top. So Tyler mentioned that, you know, it, it makes a huge imbalance when G2 and Fnatic aren't doing well, because those are kind of the teams that have represented Europe every year, international events, and they are, uh, in a sense, what's given Europe this kind of, uh, like, st perceived strength internationally, right? Like, especially G2, but also Fnatic. Fnatic's been around for forever. They've usually performed really well at international events. They made World's Finals two worlds ago. Um, and with a lot of these teams towards the top, even, like, the Mad Lions and, and Rogue, um, Rogue who did a lane swap this week, which <laughs> I actually didn't hate. I, I think they made a lot of mistakes in executing it, but I don't necessarily think the lane swap was itself was terrible, but I know that's a very controversial opinion. Um, I, I was happy to see it tested. I don't know why the Scion didn't die. I thought they were going to have it die. And then, yeah, anyway, um, I, th I think like it comes down to a lot of really minor mistakes that I'm not used to seeing LEC teams do, um, especially around how they play around vision, how they trade for objectives, minion wave management, um, and, and matchups are something that like, especially leaning matchups. I always think of, when I think of the LEC, when I think of previously when it was called EU LCS, I always think of these laners who have a really good understanding of, of laning matchups, right? And so when they go into draft, um, they'll really, really focus. Like I know the lane kingdom meme comes from LEC, but like I've always really appreciated that about LEC, whether it's a, um, a bot laner or, or solo laners. I feel like they have a really strong understanding of how to play specific laning matchups. And I've seen less of that uh, this year. I've seen a lot more like mistakes when it comes to those minutiae that like, no offense, like I don't expect most North American teams to necessarily be able to do, but like I do expect it from especially like the top half of the LEC. And I see them making a lot of those minor mistakes uh, with things that they, they had done in the past. And I don't know if it's an online thing, but I do think playing online really makes a huge difference because of a lot of reasons. Um, and to be clear, a lot of this is presumption because I haven't talked to the LEC teams about this specifically, but talking to other players who are uh, have spoken to me about playing online, like the challenges to it, um, a lot of it is like, even though they're together, right, in, in Berlin, um, in, in team houses, mm -hmm they like it's it's difficult to get in that mindset sometimes if you're not like getting up and going to the studio and it's game day and there's like a different atmosphere and attitude about being on stage as opposed to being online where like you might just be heading in your gaming house to another room in the house or you might still be traveling to the gaming house but still not like on a stage right so there's not that same kind of sense of urgency i guess um i haven't seen anything like the the ping issue like at MSC where we saw Tian like fudging his kindred ults and, and they were mm -hmm. really bad because the timing was off because of ping. Like I haven't seen anything like that, 
But I do think it is a lot more difficult to get in that mindset. And some teams are a lot more successful at it than others. And we, when we look at G2, when we look at Fnatic, even before we expected them to do super well uh, at like 2018 Worlds, for example, right? Um, you saw these teams really flourish and come into their own on a stage. And I, I do think that's something that's missing. Uh, and I do think it's affected the LAC adversely. Yeah, I think it's telling that the top two teams in the LEC are two of the youngest teams in the LEC in terms of age. I did something uh, a while ago. Arda actually reached out to me about it a few weeks ago, or last week, I think. Uh, I did a piece in the offseason about uh, ages in mm. the LCS and the LEC, um, how long certain players have played, which legacy players have been there since the very beginning of, of uh, the the riot riotified uh western league of legends scene um when they first started the lcs in 2013 um and the lec is incredibly young and it only got younger after that piece was written because teams like mad lions you know scrapped previously spliced scrapped the roster and built what they've built and and rogue too right like rogue is a incredibly young team and it speaks to the depth of the european regional leagues and i think that like the ERL, many of those are online also. They were online anyway, and that's why I think you see really high-tier performances there. So this is comfortable for a lot of these players for Rogue and Mad Lions, I think, because they've done this for a while, and they were they were stars in the ERLs already. So this is comfortable to them, and I don't want to take away from that, right? I'm, I'm sure we can dive into whether Mad Lions is a legitimate uh, legitimate best team, one of the best teams in all of EULCS slash LEC history. Like, that's another discussion, but yeah, like... These two teams are excelling, I think, in part because they're really comfortable. That, that stage factor is out the window for them. And uh, meanwhile, like, this is very uncomfortable, I think, to your point, Emily, for some of the people who have been in this in the scene for a while. And when I look at the middle-of-the-pack teams, like, there's just this massive inconsistency, right? Like, week before last, or, or weekend before last, we see, like, Origin with Jack Troll come out and just stomp everyone, right? Like, mm -hmm. somehow magically, like... And again, we talked about this last week. I think it's because, uh, more so because Upset's comfortable with Jack Troll more than he was Destiny, uh, less because Jack Troll is skill-wise a better player. Um, but yeah, like, we see Origin, like, stomp people last week, and then this week they come out and lose both games. And and the same can be said for teams like Fnatic. Fnatic's been on a really good streak the last two weeks. But guess what? Three weeks ago, they lost to Schalke AO4. And it's just like every single one of them, like, Every single one of these middle-of-the-pack teams will look really good for a short burst of time, and then they'll get ran over. And it makes no sense to me. I don't think that any... Like, this is the Soup League, and I I don't know if we could chalk that up all up because of online, but, like, something's up in the LEC generally, and a lot of these teams cannot keep it together for more than, like, two to four game stints. They'll, they'll do really good, really good for two or four games in a row, and then, like, they'll just fall off the face of the mountain. And we've seen it... The entire split, uh, with the exception of the top half of, of Rogue and Mad Lions. But even then, Mad Lions is like using the SK and stuff like that. And you're just like, what? what's going on here? Like, this league is like very questionable right now. So let's focus, Tyler, on the top half of the tables right now. A lot of people would have assumed that G2 would be in position there if you were to ask people several months ago. 
They are not there. Mad Lions are there. And already there seems to be this comparison happening, at least if you ask Peter Dunn, the head coach of Mad Lions. Uh, he is not happy with how his team is being perceived or talked about by some people online and by some members of the LEC and League of Legends communities. Essentially, as you can see from the tweet, comparing this splits Mad Lions to peak G2 in 2019, in particular, Setting that expectation, I find this absolutely ridiculous. The fact that people would at, at, try to put some sort of expectation on this young core group of players as mm. if they're going to be performing perfectly like we've seen mm. in the past from other teams, I think this is ludicrous, Tyler. Of course it is. But it, it's, we're talking about esports here. And esports is always, I, and I've said this time and time again, and I think everyone can agree with this, is that. Uh, a year in esports is like five years in traditional sports. Everything yes. needs to be new. Everything yes. needs to be fast. Everything needs to be the next great thing, right? Everything needs to be the best or the next. You need the next Faker. You need the next Caps. You need the next G2. And Mad Lions, a very exciting team, comes in. You have Kaiser. You have, you know, you have Shadow. You have all these really interesting players, and they come up, and this is, you know, it's like it's like Griffin 2018. It's like Damwon 2019. Like, Everyone loves a good rookie supernova story. And I'm, you know, I'm one of them. I love writing about rookie supernova teams. It's fun to see players come out of nowhere to just kind of rise up and take over and, you know, be the rebellion against the old establishment. I think the big difference here is, A, Mad Lions hasn't won anything. Even Griffin, for how, you know, you could say the ending of Griffin was quite you know dire. They made three straight L LCK finals. They made it to a World's quarterfinals. Like, they had a proven track record before. They had the hype going in the spring split, but it wasn't, or the summer split where they debuted, but it wasn't really until they, you know, made the final. And that's when really you could start talking about them as a legitimate, you know, super Nova team. For Mad Lions, comparing to the G2 is ridiculous. Peak G2, I think people are, just, are forgetting how dominant G2 was and how they could just play whatever they want, whenever they wanted. It didn't matter about the regular season record. It really, when it came to the playoffs, they dominated. When it went to the MSI, as a, you know, I was there, I saw it in my own eyes Team Liquid go into that final and get ripped shred to shred in that final. It's ridiculous, and it's too much pressure on this young team. And we're in the online era, too, where even the results from an online era don't really stack up compared to playing offline. We don't know how they will stack up in you know a world championship or an international stage playing against Chinese or, you know, Korean teams, even North American teams to an extent. Like, I am feel bad for Madeline because it's a lot of pressure on this team. And I think it's a lot more to do so that G2 and Fnatic aren't playing up to the level they should be playing, less so than Madeline's absurping the Kings, right? Where I do think if they win the LEC, it'll be an amazing accomplishment. But until they actually get to that final, to make it past the semifinals and get to that final moment where they can actually win a best of five versus, you know, maybe a rejuvenated G2, a rejuvenated Fnatic, maybe a Rogue who's finally finding itself in a consistent form, then we can start talking about these, you know, accolades and, and start hyping them into the World Championship. But right now, it's like esports people, esports fans in general, and I, you know, I've been there. I mean, I think we've all been there. We like hyping up new things because everything in esports goes by so quickly that you always want to latch onto something new. I mean, I think it does, a, said, Tyler. It's so it does a huge disservice to Mad Lions as well, like because they're really good at so many things. Like last week, I know I talked about how you can like track their 
progress as a team from like really early spring, like the first time they met G2 to now. And they are like, I think a legitimately like strong team fighting team that could get better if they actually like, you know, boot camped and just scrim Chinese teams for a fort, say a 14 day quarantine period before a world's bubble. Um, so I think like the most frustrating thing about this narrative for me is that it takes away like a lot of things that Mad Lions are actually good at right now and, and how they're succeeding. Um, and it takes away from their like marked improvement and how they've adjusted and grown together as a team. Because if you're just using them as like a G2 XP, you're basically saying like, oh, we put all these players together and they were amazing from the get-go. And this team is like still the next like best thing when I think- Super team. Yeah, no one's in a lot of pressure, (laughs) but like that that's taking away from like how all of these players have grown. Like people did not think Humanoid was anywhere near the best (laughs) mid laner, uh, you know, like previously, like prior to this split. You know, like, sure, Shadow, I know the big thing is that he was scouted by EDG. Uh, and, and like, that. that is, like, the, the big thing is, like, oh, was he going to play in the LPL? But, like, he, he himself has grown as a jungler while in the LEC. Like, I feel like you can point out all of these things about these players and how they've grown individually and as a team. And forcing them into a G2 narrative takes away from that. So that's what's frustrating for me. Jacob, I have a question for you. Uh, you're really good with analyzing business decisions translating them onto play right and we know that g2 have recently signed contracts meaning they will be with the the five core players will remain on the g2 roster until november 2022 right this decision uh and i asked wonder about this in an interview that you can find on our youtube channel and he seemed to intimate because i know uh, tyler mentioned you know anything can happen maybe there'll be a trade they are fully regardless of what happens uh mm-hmm. in terms of results their full intention is to stay as a team even if they come in last place in the split <laughs> they don't have any intentions on making any changes that's what they're saying so like anything can happen of course but that's what they're saying we're running it back no matter what this is the team we want to run with. We feel confident. We feel like we're the best team definitely in the LEC. We're com- competitive in the world, whatever. My question, though, is there's a difference between playing on a contract year and playing once you've gotten that bag, right? So what I'm wondering is how much motivation do the G2 players have right now? They got their contract. They are they, they, have, a, they have an inherent complacency that could set in. For many players in that situation, they're signed, they're sealed, they're delivered. They already know that they're great as a team. They've already gotten assurances from their superiors that things won't change regardless of of, of any sort of results in the LEC this split. Does that have anything to do with their placement right now in the LEC, Jacob? I don't think so. And I also think that the notions that some, like, I'll believe those assurances when I see them. From both sides, that players won't get frustrated enough to want to split up if things continue to go terribly wrong for an extended period of time, or that management won't make any changes. Because let me tell you something: there's a lot of teams in esports right now that are financially struggling in the middle of the pandemic. Let me tell you which one of the, one of those is not G2 Esports. Uh, that team has enough money that if they wanted to buy somebody out of a large contract and and say see you later, we're gonna go find someone else, they could. And so you know. Everything's happy and rosy when you're a, a world's finalist and you make second place at, at the League of Legends World Championship. And 
look, I think that, like, I don't think that there's a complacency for G2 either in the sense that, like, those players probably feel really bad about coming second at Worlds and they're motivated to try to go back and, and you know, make a run for the, the Worlds title again, right, this year. I think that their chances were better to win it last year than they are now, uh, personally. Um, I think that they look really rough right now in, uh, in this online environment. And now they're like, now we're even questioning if they'll make it to Worlds um, rather than whether if they'll uh, win it. So uh, for me, like, I don't believe that. I be so I'll break this down. I believe Wonder in this current moment. I do not believe that is true long-term if things continue to go terribly that's that's what i'll say i believe when he says that to fair you enough. fair enough when he when he says that to you he means it i don't i i believe that will change if things or i believe that could change if things go terribly wrong for an extended period of time all that to say like i think that their problems are multifold right like at the beginning of the season they didn't really scrimmage very much beforehand uh, because of things going on, obviously Perk's dad passed away sure, of course. right from that, and now he's back, and, and like, they just had, like, a lot of other circumstances around them. Uh, like, we've seen this with other teams, too. Um, they are not alone in this regard. Uh, Team Liquid is, like, a great example of this in the spring split, right? Like, they, like, didn't have Broxa for, like, three quarters of the split, and, and it was terrible. Uh, it, and it really bogged down everybody in the team. So, like, you know, it may be like Perk's personal life and personal pain, but I'm sure it's being felt like across the team. And and I'm not putting any blame on him. I'm just saying like when you're in that close quarters with someone and, and they're going through a rough time mentally, like it rubs off on you to a certain extent. Right. Um, and so I think this team's issues are bigger than just complacency. I do think a little they have a little bit of complacency because they still think they're better than everyone else and they're not. Um, and so they kind of need to shrug that off and really put pavement at the metal and start taking things seriously. I've heard that they haven't taken all scrims as seriously as they may have should have. Um, so to me, like they need to get that funk off of them, but I, I wouldn't put like their contract security is the reason that they don't, aren't taking this, uh, split as, as well as they should. So yeah, I was going to say, I think the, there's a, I, I wouldn't call it complacency, but there's like a very relaxed attitude that that g2 has kind of always had um and i think that some of their issues might have been like it's not like just off the tapping the split and it has nothing to do with being complacent in terms of like monetary reasons but maybe you know some of those things that have always happened when they're winning can't now slide when they're losing but i do think this is a really highly motivated team and i don't think they see last year to to be quite honest like from talking to them i don't think they see last year as a success because they didn't win worlds i have yeah. a question uh, to you guys the table you know you three what's the minimum europe has to do at worlds where that is a success or they are still it where the fans will be happy. What what's the barometer of success, the minimum of success where Reddit uh, doesn't trash the LEC? What see, do they have to do? Let, let me to start do with this one really quick. Let me start with this one really quick. The problem is is that the the finals appearance last year has already set a precedent. Yeah. I, I think that there will be a there will be, be another finals. Yeah, it, it there will be at least 
a minor a large minority section of European fans that will be massively disappointed if there is not another finals appearance by an LEC team. That's a lot yeah. of pressure. That's a lot yeah. of pressure for Europe. 2018 it is. You're right. you had 2018 you had Fnatic. Last year you had G2. Like they need to make another finals, I think. It for in order it, to, you could even in say, order for people yeah. to say it, like whether it's fair or not like whether I agree with how it reflects on the region as a whole I think generally the community will be remarkably harsh if they don't make a finals if it's if I, a European team does not make finals and both of those teams Fnatic and G two got swept maybe even a win is necessary one win a three one. Well, I think, or, like, or at, at the very least, if they're making a finals, they're maintaining a standard yeah. that has been set over the past two years, right? Um, but would it be embarrassing to lose three straight finals in a row? Oh, especially if it's a, another sweep. Yeah. As a North three American... sweeps in a row? Woo. Woo. As a North American writer, I could never... But I, I could never even imagine that. No, you can't imagine any sweeps in any finals of any international competition. Never. Nope. Never. Not being not being surrounded by media all around the world. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh no, no. I've, I mean that's that's <laughs> in Taiwan elements. That's I mean that's because the North American team hasn't made a final in quite some time. But uh nonetheless. Oh, uh, oh, <laughs> <my>. <laughs> um nonetheless. Uh I I don't see a world, and I know there's four spots, and I G two probably will qualify for worlds because there are four spots for the the LEC and they're they're going to be a better playoff team than I think some of the others are in the middle of the pack right now. But I, if I'm hedging my bets right now, I think that the world finals is two LPL teams and not an LEC team, just based off raw performance. Maybe an LPL and LCK team. If it is, that will be hilarious because LPL LPL like. LPL versus LPL international events is always funny. If I had a bet, yeah, like right now, if I was in Vegas, if I was a betting man, Art, if I was a betting man, Emily, I, I right now I'd say LPL versus LPL final is the most logical final, especially if the Shanghai bubble does come to roost and, you know, the teams can <laughs> practice in their team houses and it's a very comfortable setting. I could see a world where it's an IG versus top esports final. Would be, that would be an amazing final, by the way. That would be one of the best finals we could ask for. That, that would be a banger. Up. Oh, that, that would, would be so, a banger. So many viewership records. I'm sure. I'm sure Ryan, like Tencent, doesn't care about your. I don't. They're probably like, if they hear about this podcast, they're like, oh, Western League of Legends. Who cares about that? Like, they want the Chinese versus China final. That's where the real money is to have the top versus IG final. They don't really care if it's another. European team, or not even bring up and they make you the final, but I do. If I, if I was a betting man, I would put China versus China as the final right now, as we're you know creeping ever so closer to the worlds. One last thing I do want to bring up regarding G2 and Fnatic, because I think a lot of uh, North American fans forget because they uh, are not counting spring as a championship point uh, getter. The LEC did not do the same. So um, it is worth noting that despite the fact that summer means a lot more in terms of championship points, currently right now, G2 have 90 points and Fnatic have 70. So um, at the very least, if they if G2 don't make playoffs, I do think it will be incredibly stunning. Like it'll actually be like a remarkable thing that we did not expect to happen. However, they're not out of the world's race, I would say, because they do have those 90 points from spring. So the last thing we were going to do here in our LEC portion of what the is going on in the LEC was 
we were going to talk about the middle of the pack, which is a sizable portion of the standings. Of course, we have Mad Lions and Rogue, who are both 10 and 3. They've been battling for top spot all split long. Then you have Schalke in the basement, slowly crawling out of it, though, with some impressive victories, including against G2 this past weekend. Then, from 3 to 9, you have this jumbled-up cauldron of a soup that includes Fnatic, SK, G2, Origin, Excel, Misfits, and Vitality, all battling and jockeying for position, and they all have two wins separating the entire field. So what I thought might be fun to try is to associate a soup with mm -hmm. each team in the soup. All right. The first question I have for my esteemed panelists, though, and I should have asked this during our production meeting, is would you like me to throw out a name and leave it open for you to answer, or would you like to be assigned a team? Assign us a team. Spontaneous interaction, yeah. Arda. Give okay. us some spontaneous interaction. Okay. Starting with Tyler, right. Fanatic. <laughs> what kind of soup are they? Oh, man. What kind of super fanatic? Oh. Mm. Hmm. That's actually really tough. They were the, like, they're, I, they're, they're I, delicious I know, soup I know, from back I know, in the day. I know, I know, what, I know yeah. what soup I would say. I, I know it. what soup I would say. I had fanatic on lock in my brain. All right, give Emily yeah. fanatic. Emily, I, Emily what, what soup would fanatic be? So I feel like people are going to disagree with this, but <laughs> I'm going... French onion because it's like it's a so it's a classic right like it's a soup that everyone knows of um it's not like I feel like it's not particularly divisive either like you'll have people yelling about like borscht or clam chowder or whatever but like French onion yeah like sure people might not like it but it's not like an, an incredible hatred of it right um, the reason why I picked French onion is because it's a classic. I feel like we always expect it to be there. We always expect it to appear on our menu, um, regardless of whether someone messes it up and it doesn't taste particularly good. And maybe it fluctuates from restaurant to restaurant, AKA from meta to meta as Fnatic tries to find uh, something that they can kind of latch on and be comfortable with. Because if we look at patterns with Fnatic, they really like to latch on to specific picks and compositions and kind of let that carry them through a split. Um, and they haven't found that this year, right? So it's not the great, it's not the greatest French onion soup, but it is a classic and Fnatic are a classic and they're always here. We always expect them to be here. Mm -hmm. um, I still expect them to, you know, make playoffs regardless of whether they make the LEC finals this summer. Um, and I do expect them to qualify and represent the LEC at Worlds. So they're still always going to be there. They are a classic. They might they might not always light the world on fire, but sometimes you really get a great French onion soup, and it's a great moment. Wow. Like when they made for, the finals in 2008. That was so much more intense than I was actually. For, for, for a long Jeez. time. I told you. I was like, like, I have fanatic I love it. on lock. I can this get is this. Exact, Emily wins the segment already. This is exactly <laughs> what I was hoping for, people. It's like it's like it's like fanatic is uh, French onion soup is on the menu in the restaurant this split, but everyone's telling you not to try the French onion yeah, soup because exactly. it's a new chef and the chef is like <laughs> butchering the French onion soup this split. It's awful. Usually the French onion soup is delicious, except for this week or this month. Uh, Jacob, origin. Come on, this I, is an easy one. I, this is I got so it. easy. Oh, I I got it. It may not be what you want, but I got it. Origin is taco soup, and that is because 
And because wait, 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 let me let me explain. Let me explain. Taco soup varies depending on what household you're in, and it varies on the level of amount of pepper or blandness you you put in it too. So either you can make taco soup full with chock full of spices and peppers, and it is really good. That can be Origin at their top. They're still a little spicy. They got Upset, who's in the bot lane, who does some crazy stuff and pops off. He's this big star AD carry. But sometimes you're in a household where taco soup is bland as hell. They only use salt. They don't use any peppers. They very much limited their spices. Maybe they make it without beans. You know, like, it's it's really bland. Are you? That can also be Origin. So my point is that taco soup <laughs> can be very up or very down. There's a huge array of how good taco soup can be. And that's origin. They're the most cons inconsistent team in the LEC. They are so good when they're good and so bad when they're bad. And there is no in-between. And that is taco soup in a damn nutshell. I have a question for you. I did not know you could you. make tacos. Yeah. My first question to you, Jacob, is what the heck is taco soup? <laughs> so it's like ground beef. You're, I thought you were describing chili. No, it's like it's like ground beef. It's it's beans. Sometimes you could add like a tortilla chip in there too, like a tortilla soup. You add various different cheeses, sour cream, sour cream's a topping in it. Sour cream and cheese. It's very similar to chili, but it's more pe more peppers uh, than okay. than chili. Really. <laughs> oh, so, so you add more peppers. Also, also it's not it's not the same types of it's not the same type of beans. It's usually black beans in taco soup, not pinto beans, okay. which is in chili. There okay. you go. Okay. Uh, Thank you for the explanation. <laughs> I was gonna say it, Look it, up. Sounds Look it like, up. It still sounds like chili to me, but you know I'll digress. Okay. Uh, Tyler G two. G two. Are they? They're in the soup. Gee, I guess they are. Um, they are definitely in. The soup. Man, I was hoping for one of the bottom teams. I had so many good ones for the bottom teams. They're giving me G two. I feel like they're classes. So it's like chicken noodles. Hmm. Hmm. I want to say chicken noodle soup, but chicken noodle soup always it's always right, right? Like G two seems kind of off right now. Man, my 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 soup metaphor. Someone said G two is cereal in the chat. They they have left the soup. They have left the soup behind. They're like soggy cereal. Yeah. Do you have one for G two? You are the soup master. Uh. For G2, so they are, they were the greatest soup of all time. So clearly Italian wedding. And this split, however, uh, they have really, un it, it, the, G2 is a nice Italian wedding soup that suddenly the quality of the pasta in the soup has gone down significantly. And the meatballs in the Italian yeah, wedding you're, soup, you're not getting suddenly, the meatballs. Yeah, yeah, the meatballs are all your... like soggy <laughs> and they feel expired. It's you like, know, like, it's like the first, it's the worst Italian, Italian wedding soup is an S tier soup. We all know this. This is not it's up for debate. Soup. The greatest soup of all time, quite possibly, God-tier soup. But if you make it poorly, it's one of those soups that you have to make exactly right. Otherwise, it's going to taste poorly. A little bit too much salt, maybe some paprika, a little bit excessive there. You have to make it right. Everything has to align perfectly. And for G2, they have not made that Italian wedding soup well. So that's my, that's my pick for G2. 
my thought Goodness. about that is it's like it, they used to be grandma's recipe for the the Italian Italian wedding soup. They are now like passed down three generations, and they look they look a lot worse. They taste a little bit worse. Some of those ingredients fell off the list along the way, so you yes. you, you, you know you missed out a few spices, and and now here's your Italian wedding soup G two uh, three generations. Later. And then grandma's gonna throw the <laughs> slipper at you because you made the soup wrong, and everything is just unraveling yep. here. Yeah, it's just a big mess. Carlos is gonna get mad at us, by the way, that we didn't pick something that was more Spanish. Yeah, more Spanish, <laughs> as opposed to Italian. He's like, what are you doing, uh, <laughs> Emily? How about misfits? Let's do a couple more. Oh God, okay. Uh, I didn't prep for misfits. Let's see. Misfits have, are another one, one where it's like. See, misfits are like, I feel like they're another, so we're going to do all the same soups. Because, like, the problem I have with a lot of these teams is I don't see, like, a clear-cut team identity. At least mm -hmm. with, at least with, like, when I talked about Fnatic, right? Like, they're struggling to find one, but you can see those growing pains because you see how they've played over the past, like, few years, right? In terms of how they target stuff. Um misfits are just kind of like i don't know like uh you can also you can also pick a team that you have one for because i loved the fanatic one the fanatic one was perfect you already won so good. if you got another one please yeah um i mean who else is in here excel is, is an interesting one like i would put excel at like a I don't know. Like, I, I would, like, pick another classic with a lot of variables because I actually think that Excel, like, Jacob has talked about this because he was, like, super on the Excel bandwagon, like, when they announced their lineup for, for this uh, split. And I think, uh, generally, I actually think they're not nearly as bad as people think they are in terms of how they perform. Like, they've made execution mistakes, but... Um, but I think they're still like are actually a really solid team. So maybe I'll go like a, a clam chowder that's improving mm. because we're like mm. learning, we're learning to make it a little bit better. Like you were given a lot of like good fresh ingredients, like fresh clams, and you kind of messed it up a little bit here and there. Like you you didn't get the ratio right and it was a little runny. Uh, and then one time you like over thickened it and that was really gross. But now you're you're kind of starting to figure it out. And there's still like really good base ingredients in there mm. that's excel to me i actually really like excel is like a very interesting team to me actually so uh was it a uh, serious a uh who joins us in trivia all the time said misfits is like a salad uh, so we're going away from the soup a little bit i like that though i actually choose the bowl of cereal yeah yeah exactly we're going away from it misfits is a salad i would say that uh, another team that's like a salad is shalka shalka was a salad without any dressing whatsoever and then the last week they just doused a bunch of ranch on it and now it tastes great well they have they have some bad they have some bad lettuce on the bottom layer but it's being over poured with the dressing that's a little bit better than the the bad lettuce at the yes. bottom that's that's yes. shalka to me yes that's shalka right now that's right that's right <laughs> tyler do you have any soups for us for any um, team let's any say, team at all I'll, I'll go, let's go sk game i'll do sk okay, sk go game SK. cheap the last one here cheap surprising it's not what you expect but it's cheap and it hits the spot when you need it. i'm going to top around SK Gaming is the top ramen soup of the LEC, where no one's, really, no one's ever like, 
I got to have the top ROM, and it's never on, you know, right in the front of everything. But when you need it, it's there, and it gets the job done. And that's just like SK Gaming. Not the most highly priced suit, not the one with the most fancy around it, but it hits the spot, it gets the job done, and that's what they've been doing this split. They're 7-6, and six. they're on the verge of confirming the playoffs with a team that slipped around their solo laners. Crown Shot is an MVP candidate, and they look great. Just like Top Roman, overlooked, cheap, but it's always going to be there for you. And I think SK can be that team from, you know, they're always around. SK is always around. From since the beginning of League of Legends lore with Ocelot. I don't know where that Ocelot guy went with all the scarves. Don't know where he is now. Hope mm. he's doing well. But SK Gaming has just been a through line since... It, sometimes it go away. Sometimes you don't always have top ramen, top ramen around. But when it does, when you do see that top ramen and you have nothing else in the house, it does the job. And you you put a little you may you know maybe you do, you get a little fancy. You make a soft boiled egg and put it in there. A little yeah. bit of sesame oil and soy sauce. So there you go. You got you got yourself some throw some sriracha top. in there. Yeah, maybe a little yeah. bit of nori. You know, you make your make your top your top ramen a little bit better. So this is a good foundation. Yeah, I like it's, that it's a good, a it's a good cheap foundation that can be built upon in future seasons. I promise you all, the next time we do this, we're gonna have graphics with like the logos <laughs> on soup cans and everything. Yeah. It's gonna be great. You're watching the Rift Rewind, the League of Legends weekly program here on ESPN Esports. Don't forget, immediately following this, we have our trivia. Join us on Twitch, no matter where you're watching us. If you're listening to us in podcast form, you can join us. Usually around somewhere between 7:30 and 8 Eastern, whenever Rift Rewind ends, we get to trivia night. You can join us on Twitch, play along, and it's a lot of fun. Let's get to our final topic on rift rewind this week and that is what the is going on in the lcs <laughs> what are we seeing with these teams right now cloud nine keeps losing like you mentioned emily uh making some changes trying some things not working out for them necessarily in execution and then you got team liquid all of a sudden they're keeping up with c9 they are uh, statistically looking like in some ways a superior team or at least top of the tables in some of their execution and some of their play but are those numbers emily deceiving particularly as it pertains to team liquid being a top team in the lcs yeah so i really like this team liquid team i feel like i always have to preface whenever i'm going to criticize a team with like i actually do really think this team can be legitimately good but I don't think they're legitimately good right now. Um, and there are a few reasons for that. One, I think uh, prior to the season starting, I talked to Broxa about how they really wanted to be like a more proactive team early. And I feel like we have not seen that. And one of the things that I was really looking forward to going into the split was to see um, if the Jensen like Broxa synergy would come to fruition because that was I think one of the things that people were really hoping for from this team is to have Jensen find a jungler that he actually looks like really strong with because even on previous teams when he was performing really well I feel like we've never seen him find that jungler that he just syncs with like really 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 well um and so while I actually think he's still playing well individually um, I think that they're, they're not making the most of, I guess, what could come out of like a really strong mid jungle synergy. And we're just not seeing that. Like there are games where Broxa just looks really disconnected from a lot of his lanes. Um, 
And they have like, so some of their numbers are, are really, really good uh, because they're winning, right? But then if you look at some of their other numbers, like for example, their first blood rate, uh, and not their first blood is always everything because you can be proactive and, and still be syncing with your lanes as a jungler without, um, without necessarily getting kills, right? Like we saw, con I think, contracts with 100T when they beat C9 was a really good example of this on Olaf. Like he wasn't necessarily going in and murdering everyone in lanes early. He was gar garnering advantages. He was counter jungling. You know, he was doing a lot to accrue advantages and he was still paying attention to his lanes, but it wasn't like a very visible like kill thing. Um, but I do think, you know, the the low first blood rate, they have a fairly low dragon control when you compare them to a, a top team like C9 or even a team that I do think has a legitimately strong early game, which is Golden Guardians, actually, uh, where they have like a 61%, Cloud9 has a 72%. Obviously, it's going to be inflated because they've won so much. But, you know, Team Liquid have won just as many games now and they have a 44% dragon control rate. So like, they're small like cracks and i think a lot of team liquids wins have definitely come from either a mix misexecution from their opponents like for example core jj's blitz hook capitalizing on the fact that c9 are are you know kind of misplaying their composition a bit right and then blabber goes in and then team liquid is able to go from there like i do think they have the intelligence to uh punish opponents mistakes which is why they are so high in the standings right now um, but I want to see more from this TL team because I feel like they have the talent to be better. And I, I want to see them perform even better because I do think right now their win rate is not necessarily indicative of how well they've been playing. And they've had a lot of really close wins that have come from kind of a flip in the mid to late game that TL have capitalized on. I agree. It's actually, I was going to get into my broader point as we're going to get into next about my thoughts on the LCS that split. But the thing is, Team Liquid's record looks great, and I do think they have a higher gear, but they're not forced to show it. It's very similar to Cloud9, right? Where these teams, I feel, I'm not saying they're looking towards Worlds. I'm not saying that they're prepping for Worlds, because I'm sure Team Liquid just wants to make it to the playoffs and make it to a final with their new team if possible. But it's complacency where it's like, you don't have to be at an 8 out of 10 to win games in the LCS. You can play. A team Liquid has enough talent to play at a 5 out of 10 level, play the scaling comp till 35 minutes, and win games off of that. Just not playing stupid. It's the reason why Immortals did so well last split. They were mechanically, you know, one of the bomb teams in the table, and eventually they did get figured out. But they won a lot of their games last split because they just weren't dumb. And that's kind of a, a requirement in some games for the LCS. But a lot of times it, it just comes down to which team is less stupid in that game. Who makes the least amount of mistakes? And for Team Liquid, they aren't making a ton of mistakes. They're not being very proactive. But in a league where there's so many teams that are just giving away games, there's so many games in this, but where Digintos and CLG have literally done nothing and just kind of let the game just slip away. And it's like, all right, you take that dragon. You take that dragon. Oh, you want to take a Baron? Go take a Baron. We're just going to sort of lean back into our... <laughs> into our uh, necklace until you finally beat us. Like, in the LCS, a lot of times it's who can make the least amount of mistakes. And for a team like C9 and Team Liquid, especially C9, who are just trying things out, they're very confident that they will make it the World Championship of just because of the level of LCS right now. There's not a lot of uh, a, a, a hunger or a, a 
really a push to really try anything new when the, the old things are working for Team Liquid. If scaling to 35 minutes, getting, you know, uh, tactical on a six-item Ezreal or a six-item Aphelios and just playing standard works, they're not going to change anything because the LCS teams aren't really pushing them to change or be better than that what they are. And that's kind of the point, the sadness of the LCS is that we're not getting pushed. There's no, there's no real, there's, it's, just, it's bland. It's so, so bland. And it, as someone who's covered the LCS on the ground for five straight years, it's, it's, this is one of the, like, the le- we'll get into it in a little bit, but it's like, it's such a, not fun season watch. Like this so, is probably the least amount of fun I've ever had watching the LCS. Okay, let's get into it right now. A couple of comments in the chat before we get to uh asking the elephant in the room question here. Ponza had a great point. If LCS was a soup, it's cream of mushroom. Oh, mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually what I was about to ask. I was like, Tyler, what what soup is the LCS? He he says cream of mushroom, mushroom for improvements. Yeah. I appreciate the dad joke. But yes, uh, that's his choice really there. I really appreciate that. So, so it, it's almost as if uh, chat was reading your mind, Tyler, yeah. in terms of where you were going. Because here's a comment from Andrew Franklin 24, and then let's get into exactly how you feel about this particular statement. Quote, LCS is really expletive boring this year. I've watched every LCS season and have played for so long. This year has been the worst year for League IMO. He's he's uh he's not wrong, and I tweeted out this week where I I mean I watch all the games I I have to it's my job I watch them I do these interviews I like the players like I like everyone involved I like the production I like the casters I think the casting even though they can get dunked on a lot by you know Reddit and social media I do think the casting in North America is quite good and I think the personalities like Mark Z and probably are smart and they actually do provide good analysis but complicated. LCS is so like it's such there's it just feels like we're watching a rerun of a rerun not even a good rerun it seems like we're going home and watching a good rerun of you know Dexter's Laboratory we're watching a rerun of a boring show that no one cared about two years ago and it feels like we're just on the same track that we were on last year where LCS went to the worlds and no team made you know past the group stages and it starts from the, it starts from the production down right where the production is very stale it wants to be that sports center i mean we're espn we know how to do a professional you know tv like quality for you know mlb and nfl and all that and it just it isn't fitting right with the fans and lec was in a very similar situation well the european lcs a few years ago and they rebranded and i i, I like some of the stuff they do in terms of production but just from the top down it just feels like we're watching the same stuff over and over and over again. And especially when you have teams like FlyQuest and Team Liquid, who this is not their fault at all. Take wins where you can get them, make it to playoffs, make it to Worlds, but they're playing as such this, the same old, you know, which just, you know, slowly ramp up. We'll get to six items. We'll play around Baron. We'll hope, you know, some team throws around Baron. Oh, man, Athelios, let's roll our faces against the keyboard and just win the game. And it just... There's there's just nothing exciting. The most exciting thing about LCS was Cloud9, right? That was the huge narrative. Like, oh, man, Cloud9, the greatest team of all time. I talked about that so much in the spring because that's the only thing I could hang my hat on. Is like, oh, man, this team is historically good. Even that now is tarnished. They're, you know, I'm not saying Cloud9 isn't arguably one of the greatest LCS teams of all time, but they don't, they're not getting pushed enough to really show. They can screw around and pick as many, you know, fun comps as they want because they – know confidently that when push comes to sub, they're going to make it to Worlds. They're probably going to finish number one in the split. 
it just feels like we're in such a boring and bland space with the LCS, and there's nothing really exciting. The only thing really exciting is that, you know, we have some few good rookies, Tactical, whom uh, contracts coming back is pretty fun. But overall, if I was selling this to, you know, a new fan, like, oh, hey, a new fan's like, I really like League of Legends. I watched Worlds for the first time last year. What league should I watch? I'm like, I'm not going to LCS is running top five. They're probably not even top five on the list. I'm gonna, I would suggest the freaking Turkish League before the LCS at this point. Like, <laughs> I, I really like the excitement level for, for me when it comes to LCS. And I think it also has to do with the online play. Like, I'm usually on the ground interviewing these guys, watching from Arena. I think the online play, plus the complacency, it just, and the, the lack of play where it does feel like some of these, some of these teams just give away wins, where they don't even try, where they just will just give everything up. And, Probably what, one of the only like good points of the season for me has been Freak's casting, where Freak just keeps dunking on every team that just gives away free wins, and he's really kind of you know t- his casting this has been really fun to listen to. But outside of that, like it's just bland. LCS has just become really bland, and they do some good you know animations and some good production stuff, and I do like their teases that from time to time. But it just seems to be like the same old, same old. Like how many times do we package C9 versus TF? TSM, right? How many times can we repackage? Oh, it's CLG versus TSM. This rivalry has sucked for five years. Maybe this time it will become real again. It never <laughs> does. It's the same storylines over and over and over and over again. It's become so bland and it's so sad. Maybe if Cloud9 goes to Worlds, maybe if Team Liquid goes to Worlds and they can make core finals, make a semifinals run, it'll rejuvenate the space. But it's just so bland. And I know it's online play and everything, but I'm just just. Dis- so disinterested and it sucks because i do love north america like i want these north american teams to win i want them to go to worlds i want a north american team to lift the summoner's cup like ember prophesized so many years ago but right now i'm just i have even me someone who can make up the most optimistic analogies predictions of all time i'm just in a sad state art i'm a sad state i'm a sad state jacob i'm just i'm just gonna cover the tcl this is i'm just the LCS is I'll bland. be your translator, Tyler. So, we can so, go together. I'll, I'll be your translator, man. We have a built-in Turkish translator. Yeah, yeah. I got you. So, so I want to say this, right? So, like, props to Riot for changing the overlays and the production this split. It is better than it was last. In terms of design, not in terms of function. So, like, the, the LCS broadcast, to me screams we are professionals and we want to be sports but they don't understand their audience like the whole like dome thing that they do to like make the like overlay a little bit more interesting for the analysts like yeah that's cool like that animation whoever built that in cinema 4z or or 4d or cinema 4d like great job right like it is effective but like and it's clean but it's not necessarily interesting the one other thing, and it's good we have B-roll on the screen right now, I hate the top bar with the statistics. It's awful. The kills are, like, so unnoticeable in particular, yeah. and, like, I know kills are not a relevant stat in terms of, like, high, high-tier high analysis, right? But, like, to a fan, yeah. to a basic fan, kills actually matter a lot, and they're not very noticeable at all right now. Like, you see them next to the sword, but, like, they're not, they're not, like, they don't stick out to you like they used to. And so, like, yeah, like the it it looks clean, it looks better, but it functionally it is not better. And like meanwhile, the LEC is like all over the place. And I like loved everything they did around Pride this past weekend. And the fact that like they had all the various different like 
All the sets were changed around to be like Pride Flag themed, colored. Mm-hmm. Like that was awesome. Like I, I like the fact that like the LEC takes these like creative swings. It's been one of my like favorite things about 2019 and 2020 in league. But like, yeah, the L- the LCS like it's cleaner. It's more 2020 style. But it's like actually like the assets themselves are actually really boring and awful. So I, I will say regarding the dome, the dome is much more appealing to sponsors yeah and say sponsor. the say and, and also like the emmy award nomination committee than the actual hardcore league of legends fan right I also like think, yeah. i also think that so like i have a few gameplay reasons why lcs is boring um before the uh for the broadcast like i don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying jacob but i also think that one thing that does have to be brought up is that because of the current state of COVID-19 in the US, they are given the least amount of leeway of all broadcast teams right now. Um, LCK and LPL are both played in studio with players without audiences. And then uh, LEC has the, um, outside of the one scare they had where they did bring everything back and did it from everyone's homes, um, they have been holding most of the actual production at the studio itself although teams are still in their gaming houses. So I think that's one thing that does have to be brought up when criticizing the LCS broadcast. I don't actually disagree with a lot of what you're saying, but I do think that's a necessary point of context. Um, For play style, I think Tyler touched upon one of the things that has bothered me about North America for so long. And I actually ask a lot of Korean and European players and they can never give me an actual answer. Um, as to why NA teams play so passively and their default is always to play incredibly passively and wait for their opponents to make mistakes. Um, It's a very like traditional quote unquote style of play. Um, It's also a, a very boring one to watch, especially if, and, and no offense, like North American players, because I think these players could go, boot camp on a better server than North America and still have the mechanical skill to go up against anyone in the world. But the problem is that they're stuck on any server. Um, so you still don't have like the dazzling mechanical displays that you will get from even teams that play passively in like LCK, for example, we've brought up this as a problem that LCK teams have as well. I think that one of the things that North American teams have always struggled with is having an identity outside of that, which is actually why like, yes, C9 are experimenting, but one of the things, reasons I liked their composition is because it was interesting, right? Like that's still a composition where it's like a press R we're all going in. It's going to be this bombastic five V five. It's going to look really great. It's relying on the mechanical skill that we know our players have. Um, and, and I really liked it despite the fact that they misexecuted it, right? Like I want them to keep doing stuff like that because they can, and it's the only way that they're going to be able to continue to improve in a region that to Tyler's point is not pushing them very, very much. Right. Um, and I think like when you see even like lower tier LPL teams, for example, since LPL is the region that I watch the most games of by virtue of the fact that there are 17 teams, um, you you have these like weird play styles that develop or you have teams just trying to test their own mechanical prowess uh, in in 1v1s and 2v2s across the map. And we don't see teams taking those chances in NA and we hear about them taking those chances in scrims, but we don't see that ever translate to actual LCS play. Um, so that is something I want to bring up in terms of why North America 
continues to be boring, I think that is another reason. This this reminds me of to imagine a boxing fight where both fighters are counter punchers. Yeah. So they're waiting for the their opponent to throw the first punch and they're circling around each other and they're waiting and they're bobbing and weaving and maybe they throw out a jab as a feeler, but they're really waiting to commit until the other their opponent makes a mistake, but the opponent doesn't make a mistake because they are doing the exact same thing. And so they end up circling around for 12 rounds and it goes to a boring decision for yeah. whoever threw them most jabs and, and they're not even not world fun. class they're not even world class at that right like south korea played like that forever but it was fine because they were the best and it was fine watching because mm -hmm. when samsung white did it it was masterful it was beautiful you're watching them constrict teams like a boa constrictor mm -hmm. yep. and just choke yep. them out when it's like na it's like you're watching a garden snake try and choke teams out and they just get stepped on <laughs> and the two biggest things for me with na is number one i do agree with the you know the whole they're not in studio thing but the best mind for NA content, for LCS content, they had her on the team. Ali yeah. May can make magic happen with her and Broden, Broden Plett, you know, one of the best video producers in esports, you know. Those two literally just go off and make content by themselves with $20 worth of items and do so many great things and get so many more views and do LEC quality videos for pretty much nothing. And they had her on the broadcast, and this is nothing against the Tigers versus Avli. I think the Tigers is a great host, and I think that as time goes on, she's going to get more comfortable in the role, and she's amazing in her job. But when it keeps creative minds, they had Avli May, one of the best in all of esports, I would say, who can create, you know, magic out of dirt, literal dirt. She can make it into something fun, and they had her on the staff, and she still does stuff, you know, freelance for them. But they had such a great mind, and they just, you know, she's not on the team anymore. She's not there, and she's someone who I think it was leading, it was, you know, in those boardroom meetings, you know, leading the production staff, you would see a more fun, rejuvenated LCS. So, oddly, man, again, like, it shows that you don't need a huge production staff, you don't need the studios to make some really great content. And secondly, it's also, when I talk about players uh, in North America, about, like, why can't you, you know, why is NA so bad, why are you guys so passive, it comes down to the soul cube, where how the hell... Has Riot not put a server or something in Los Angeles so these players can play yeah. on good ping? Look at Valorant. They have enough games. There's 20 freaking servers in North America. There's an LA server for Valorant. So when the I'm talking to these players, I'm like, you play Valorant. And they're like, oh yeah, it's awesome. Like I can play on like 10 ping. I like I feel like I'm moving like so well. And then you go to League of Legends where they're playing on 50 ping, and it's like, why isn't there a Los Angeles server? It's a multi-billion dollar company. Come on. I know I know there's probably semantics and everything where they can't have been at like two servers. There's not enough player base, obviously, but come on. Like they need something in LA for these players to play on because playing on 50 ping isn't gonna cut it when it comes to the world championships where every single world, I remember, every single NA player is like, oh man, this is so awesome playing on good ping for once. And I agree with Emily where Blabber mechanically, I don't think Blabber is below any player mechanically in the world. I think you can stand up with pretty much anyone that comes with pure mechanics, but when you're on a slog of a server and you're playing on 50 ping all the time in solo queue and solo queue games take an hour to pop, and when they pop finally, people dodge all the time, it just doesn't create a good training environment. And until the solo queue is fixed, until there's a server in LA where these players can actually play on ping where it doesn't feel like they're trudging through mud, North America is not going to get better. And these players say it over and over and over. And they tell Riot, hey, we need better servers. We need a server in Los Angeles to actually play on good ping. And we're going to still be on Chicago, which is way over there. 
And for these players, it's not. It, it, it's just so silly. Come on, right? You can have more than one server in America. Come on. I know the player base isn't as big as you would hope, but when Valorant has 20 freaking North American servers where you can play in Texas, New York, L.A., Seattle, San Francisco, come on. Get another server in America so these players can actually play on good ping for once. Big agree. Multi-billion dollar company. Multi-billion. This isn't. We're not talking about like a startup here. We're talking about a company that makes a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. I I think it's like when you have another game that's doing well in Valorant, where you have, then when the whole thing's like, oh, we're gonna make it great for the players. We have servers everywhere. You can do the same for League. We don't need twenty servers in North America, but you can have one in LA. What is the what is that game that you and I cover, Emily? That has server problems. Oh, what is that are you called? talking Call of Duty? Oh, that's the one. Yes, the Call of Duty right, well, League and their servers. At least we're not that bad. Uh, that bad. Yeah, that, that would be even. I mean, yeah. I think I think the big thing is that like the previously, I don't know if this is true, but previously, Riot has said that they don't want like one server to become the mm. good server. Honestly, who cares? Who cares? That's what's like in China. They have thirty-three servers, and one is the good server, yeah. and that's actually the one that you need to uh, basically qualify on uh, to be an LPL pro. You need to be at a certain level on that server. Um, and, and like no one, like you are professional players. Like you're in competition. It does not matter if you're if you're like playing on the good server or the bad server. Because if you get good enough on the bad server, you just try your luck on the good server, even if you have higher ping on it. Like LA yep. should have a server. It's ridiculous. They didn't have a server. They moved it. And yeah, like right now, NA has one server. And it's the bad server. Even at least if we have two servers, maybe at least yeah, we're one. All, we're all yeah. on the bad server. Yeah, we're all exactly. on the bad server. It's and it's ridiculous when you have Valorant, which is another right game with twenty different servers or so in North America, where it's making it so that the ping can be great for everyone. Come on, man! I mean, unless that well, changes, unless that changes, solo queue is never going to come better in North America, and North America is uh, never going to take the next step in its you know hope to making you know a, a world run. Well, we are solving NA's problems here on Rift Rewind, our weekly ESPN Esports League of Legends program. That'll do it for this portion or this show. But stick around because in a matter of minutes, we are going to be back. If you're on Twitch, stay where you are. If you're watching us on any other platform, whether it's the ESPN app, Twitter, or on YouTube, head on over to twitch.tv slash ESPN Esports because you can participate in trivia with us in about five minutes time. Won't be too long. We're just going to make a couple of adjustments and then we will be right back. If you're listening to us in podcast form, consider joining us in video form next week. But... For all of you uh, who are here for the Rift Rewind, thank you very much for watching. We'll see you in a couple minutes for trivia.